Coming up, there's nothing left to do but to start the NBA season for the Brooklyn Nets, and that means prediction time here on the Locked On Nets podcast, where we talk about win totals, key player stat lines. Could someone be in the scoring title race? Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and key role players are all on the table here as we lay out our bold predictions for the season. You are Locked On Nets. Your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrecht, breaking down the 5-1 and one New York football giants over on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. It's free on all those great platforms. And Doug, it's prediction time, my friend, laying out our bold statements about what this Brooklyn Nets team can accomplish in the upcoming season. Yeah, man, it's finally here uh, after a pretty good preseason. I think all things considered, or at least a pretty good last two games of the preseason. Uh, <laughs> let's like, I'll, I'll, I'm, yeah. no big deal because I'll ignore the first one. Um, yeah. as if it, uh, the first, I mean, sorry, the first two as if they didn't happen. I'm ready to make some predictions. Some of this stuff we are going to get into with Chris Mahalan uh, from Nets Daily on uh, Tuesday, leading into Wednesday. So we'll do some of the final injury pieces around Joe Harris and Seth Curry. Uh, at that point. Um, so just to let everyone know to tune in for those, but yeah, I'm ready to make some predictions for the season. It feels like after a summer of discontent, it actually makes, I'm actually pumped to be having some, I think generally pretty positive predictions here. Yeah, I think so. Right. And uh, to your point, we always say on the show, when uh, stats benefit us, we're going to use them. First two yeah. preseason games, not so useful. So we don't we don't talk about those. Second two, very functional for us. <laughs> Let's uh, dive in here right at the top. Before we talk about some player-specific opportunities over the course of this season, uh, win totals for the Brooklyn Nets. You're, you're our... Uh, you're our stack guy. You're our numbers guy. Where do we stand right now? It actually it moved a little bit, I think, over the course of this offseason in terms of where they were on the over-under and whether or not you and I are on the same page with them cresting that mark. Uh, right now, Bet Online has them at 50 and a half wins. That's pretty industry standard uh, about where they land in terms of overall win total. And so, um, and just like, you know, it's not that's not the top in the East, but that's tied with Philadelphia at 50 and a half. I think uh, Miami's 49 and a half. And then the Bucks are 53. So they that's where the Nets land in terms of uh, right now, win total for the season. Obviously, this is a number that was off books for a lot of the summer just because it was just pointless with Kevin Durant, not knowing about Kevin Durant, <laughs> right. where his ultimate landing spot was going to be. Um, it didn't make any sense to, it just didn't make any sense to try it. And, and would have and hated it. an over under at some point where they set it at like 22 and a half, get your money in early. And then Kevin Durant comes back. Would have been nice from the betting, but they don't, they don't like to do that for me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I mean, in terms of the 50 and a half, I've gone back and forth with this one about where it is. This number feels uh, tougher than some other teams because there's, I think we've talked about this at other times during the pre the, the, uh, season is that it, where it feels tough is the band around this number is significantly wider than, than for some other teams, right? Yeah. Like the Celtics, for instance, their number at 50 and a half feels like 
they'll just almost definitely like land close to that. Like they can actually have some things go wrong and land close to that. The Nets one feels like they could actually way overshoot this number or come in way under a la last season when things go really, really wrong. So, um, which I don't think is like, I don't think that is the trouble that some other teams face like the Bucks or the Celtics, right? The, the band on an attire. So I'll go with you first. Like, where do you think, do you think like 50 and a half, where did you land? I, I, I have, I have my take here. I was so sold on the over last season. So maybe I'm, I'm feeling a little PTSD around that. Sure. <laughs> um, so I... I'm going to let you go first on this one. Yeah, so I the, so the two factors are, and we talked about this. Um, people in our a couple of our lives in the post games were talking about, you know, games. How many games are they going to rest Kevin Durant, et cetera? I still think that you're going to see 65 ish games from Kevin Durant, and you could put the same thing for Kyrie Irving. And obviously, health is always we always say, right? Assuming health, this is where we think this can go. So you have to at least though account for 15 ish games that you may not have your your key players and your stars. And then the other factor is the continuity piece. How quickly does this team gel early on? And that's the, that's where I'm having a hard time because it's like playing in the margins of, does it take them seven games? Does it take them 15 games? And even if those 15 games, if over the first 20 games, the Nets are 10 and 10 and we're seeing these glimpses and we know it's building up, this is a team that may be significantly better than that, but a 500 record for 20 games of the season is obviously going to change it. Um, I'm going to, man, I'm always the positive guy here. I'm actually going to go with the under on this because I think there will be these moments. You talked about, you're going to talk with Chris Mahalan about the injuries and the impact at least early days here on the season. I think there will be some clunkiness here still. There's going to be some games that you end up losing just because you're going up against good competition and teams that have familiarity with one another. So I'll take the under, but it's not for a lack of confidence in this team. I just think it's a part of the process this year. Okay, I'm going over and I have some reasons why. Yeah, no, I'm going to go over. I'm not as much as last season um, killed me. I think your last season PTSD gave me PTSD for this decision today. And it hit me hard in the bank account, too. To some degree, I made one of my biggest bets on the fact that they were going to go over, which yeah. you know shows you what the where I can do with those. Okay, so I have a couple of reasons for the over here. The first is I think the built-in motivations, as we talked around for some of these guys, is going to actually necessitate them wanting to play a lot this season. And I don't even mean Durant. I mean like Kyrie and Simmons specifically, short of injuries, which you can never predict. And the injuries, I would say, for most teams are about equal. Uh, there's not, there are some players that are more injury prone. Obviously, as you get, you know, older, um, it's just gonna, you know, that's just gonna happen, right? Like it's some of these guys, like Durant, have had injuries in the past, but not even around him. Specifically for Kyrie and for Ben Simmons, I think short of injuries. I feel like they are going to just absolutely play a ton <laughs> this season. And when that, if that's the case, just to start, because like, think about their motivation. Simmons has a, a motivation to just prove that last season was like an outlier, right? That he just, that he sat out because of the, what was going on with the Sixers specifically. It's not about his game. And he, I can see him motivated to just wanting to play basically every game. Kyrie is in a contract year, right? Like he needs, there's certain things that Kyrie like sort of just like needs to happen for Kyrie here this season to make it so that he's like viable <laughs> in terms of like the open market. I yep. think those two things combined make it so that you could actually see these two guys, like in terms of superstars play more than some other teams and how they manage their superstars. And I think just that alone has me feeling very confident for like what could look like the over. Obviously, 
if it get, they get off to a 5 and 10 start and people start asking out, that, that bet is going to look bad. Short of that, or injuries, which like I said, I think exists for everyone equally, I think this team's just going to rack up a lot of wins. <laughs> like, I, I just think that, I think a lot of things are built into place for them to be able to do that. That makes sense. Again, and like, I'm not going to be remotely, as I said, you know, they're, they're 10 and 10 over 20 games. Well, if all of a sudden they're 15 and five over those first 20 games, that's it. It's out the window. They're hitting the over even, you know, 17 wins, whatever it may look like there uh, over the first 20 or 25 games of it. I, and you're right. The motivation factor probably really does mean a lot, especially early season. And maybe these guys just arguably, when we look at the schedule it, it, as they get underway here in the regular season, there's probably going to be a lot of times where you just say, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, you're better than the competition. You should win those games. And that's probably something that I'm forgetting about going back to last season and knowing there's a lot of times when it was only Kevin Durant or it was only one of the key contributors, right? So that factor actually probably skews it a little bit. And in the Eastern Conference, um, I'll, I'll still stick with the under. That's what I said. But Doug makes a lot of good points and I get a little flustered. I will say too, <laughs> if you want to be in a good position in the Eastern Conference, it's going to behoove you, right? You want to be a top four seed. That probably means hitting the over on this because there's going to be a lot of teams, regular season teams that are quality, like Miami. You mentioned Boston, Philadelphia, the Milwaukee Bucks, like right there. That's four teams that are going to be right around that 50 kind of win mark, really good during the regular season or have high expectations for the postseason where you don't want to be caught being in a five or six seed potential situation and dealing with some of those more difficult middle of the pack matchups like the Toronto Raptors potentially. So um, there's a lot of motivations here for the, for the Giants, <laughs> for the Nets to be successful early in this season. And then by default, maybe stack a few more wins. Yeah, uh, I have a couple more thoughts on this because I love talking about this stuff and sort of on a high level about how the Eastern Conference is going to shake out. We're going to make some stat line predictions here as well. Talk about, you know, the possibility of trades later in the season. Like I said, this is a like we said, this is a prediction show. We want to try to make some predictions here along the way. First, going to talk to you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs feeling or excuse me these days. Making a new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your own small business. We've been talking a little bit about that on a sports level. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You love to hear that word. Um, you can go to hashtag hiring uh, over on LinkedIn on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're looking for a new hire. They have simple tools like screening questions, can make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's LinkedIn dot com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. Coming up in a second, we're going to talk about uh, some of these key stat lines for key players for the Brooklyn Nets. But first got to remember that we thank you as always for making the locked on Nets podcast, your first listen of the day. Now the second listen of your day should be game to game. My friends, you can talk about game to game sec, talk about game to game, Big 10, Jordan Black has all that coverage there. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the SEC, the NCAA, the NBA, every spectrum you know, of course, with the local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, Locked On SEC, Locked On Big 10, available on Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. 
I, Doug, had a little bit of uh, college football on the brain there because um, I'll, I'll tell you this, friends. I don't watch it all the time, but when I do, that stuff is wild out there in the streets. I got distracted. The bottom line is, Doug, as we get back into the Brooklyn Nets here, before we talk about Ben Simmons, I've got a bold prediction, and wouldn't you know it, Doug was on the exact same train of thought, but what were the other factors here in why you're a little bit bullish on the Nets hitting this over, specifically in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, it's just something that we talked about. We don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but there are going to be a lot of teams headed for the tank this season, some earlier than we've really seen since they smoothed out some of the lottery odds. And so with that in mind, I do think that there's a world um, in which the Nets, like where some of these better teams that are actually trying just can rack up a win or two more. Now, I think some of that's built into the number, obviously, because these things are, don't, you know, don't exist in a vacuum. Uh, obviously, places like Bet Online understand other teams' motivations. But I just do think that we're going to see like Char- the Charlottes of the world where people aren't totally sure right now <laughs> exactly what's happening. Uh, it could not take that much time before all of a sudden these teams are you know, headed for way more losses than we even could have suspected. And so um, I do think that's going to help some of these higher end teams be able to hit, be able to hit some of these numbers. It's just a, that's just a kind of a, you know, a, 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 a league writ large kind of idea more than it's more more than it's a net centric kind of idea. Yeah, but by the way, too, and that could be a really nice lift for the Brooklyn Nets to be able to both be winning games and not overtaxing these guys. I think you're right about everyone's going to be playing a lot. But guess what? If you don't have to play a lot of the fourth quarter because you're beating up on some of the bad teams, that can only benefit the Nets in the long game. Okay, then specifically inside this roster and this team, I'll start with mine. I'm calling it mine, but it kind of becomes ours because we did make sure that we weren't going to give the exact same prediction. And wouldn't you know it, we ended up having the exact same one. Ben Simmons, uh, we, we talked about these last two preseason games, what it looks like for him, obviously the impact on both ends of the floor. I came in hot, triple-double for Ben Simmons this season. What do you think the likelihood of it is? Because and I'm, I'm talking about a line that looks a lot like 13 or 14 points in a game, but man, does it feel like those assist numbers are going to be absolutely monstrous for him on a game-to-game basis. And the rebounding, again, whether it's Nicholas Claxton, whether it's some Dayron Sharp, it's kind of this two-man tandem that it looks like they're going to have. And when you want to get that transition game going, him grabbing that rebound on the defensive glass seems to really benefit this team as well. Yeah, so is it likely for him to average a triple-double in the season? No. Do I think he there's going to be times where he could flirt with it? Uh, yes. Um, I think that he is – things are lining up really well for him to probably – he's not going to do a Russ, uh, Russ Westbrook like a la three years ago kind of line. I don't right. think we're looking at anything like that. Uh, you know, for him, Russ needed the usage and they, the whole entire thing just ran through him. But – in terms of like Simmons coming close to this, I think there's it's definitely a world where that can happen. A couple of things to look think about, right? If you go back to 19 and 20 when he averaged, uh, he was close to this, right? He's like in the year before us too, 17 points a game. I'm going to combine these two years. It's about eight and a quarter rebounds a game, and right around eight assists a game, right? So let's say he's like something like a 16, eight and eight for those those years in Philly. One major difference, just from a volume standpoint, in those seasons is those that's like let's say the 1920 season. Philly played the 13th overall pace in the league. Uh, excuse me, no, I looking at offensive efficiency. Uh, let me rewind now. Philly played the 19th overall pace in the league. Uh, so this actually helps my yeah even better. <laughs> um, the I had that sorted incorrectly, but that's okay. We're on back on track. 19th overall pace in the league, and Simmons still averaged these numbers. Right, a lot of this stuff, points and rebounds is frankly just an opportunity and volume opportunity thing. It's yeah. like it's and and, and points also right. These counting stats. 
just can be inflated by how quickly your team plays. If you're flying up and down the court all the time, these numbers will just tend to go up, right? And so I think with Simmons, if we want to use those numbers as a baseline when he played on a relatively slow team, <laughs> you know, it wasn't always. Embiid sat out and sat out times during these during these stretches, right? Yeah. But not the whole time. I think now that if the Nets are going to be like a top five pace team in the league, which is totally reasonable, it frankly might be low. This it's very it's going to be very easy for him to start racking up these numbers, like the the, the assistant rebounds specifically. The scoring that one's a little different, right? He's going to be on the team. That one he actually might struggle with the most <laughs> is is the scoring piece, and so. But in terms of the assistant rebounds, I could easily see this getting into the double digits on averages, just because like think about how the Nets are playing. What we saw in the preseason, they want him rebounding. He's the first, he's under the basket. They want him grabbing every missed foul shot. Like just yep. these are the little things. Like they want him close to the basket. They want him in and around the dunker spot on defense if he can be, because they want him initiating the fast break. Just those free throw misses alone. When he, it's not Embiid. Think about like when he was with Philly. Like take it, take away Embiid where he's getting the free throw <laughs> miss um, opportunities. That's just going to be Simmons on this team because they want him the ball. Those little things, plus the assist with the the playmaking that he's going to have with Kyrie and KD. I think it's there's. I, I actually wonder if just the points are going to be the problem because the free throws and stuff, <laughs> right? Like I think that it yeah. easily could hit these numbers. And it is funny because you talk about his numbers, um, his scoring numbers. Uh, you know, 14, 16, 16, 15. Like he's never been a high volume, but you know, he's never been a 20 point scorer. So to your point about like, if you look back, even in that year, you referenced in 2018, 19, okay. He's a 17 point a game guy. How many points are going to sacrifice here for the rebounds, for the assists when he has just better quality of players around him and he's not going at the basket as often on the offensive end. It may only be that he averages 11 points a game, but I, it's hard for me to look at his assist numbers and not think that there's two or three more on a game to game basis. And again, Again, if you think relative to the cast that he played with in Philadelphia, assuming health with Seth Curry, with Joe Harris, with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving at the highest level, obviously, but the percentages of when he puts a guy in a position to have a scoring opportunity are going to be dramatically higher than they were in Philadelphia just overall. And you can even think about one of the key components there in a guy like Tobias Harris, who was, who's been a letdown by and large relative to what the expectations were, right? If you get consistency around Ben Simmons, I think those numbers start to move a little bit. Maybe arguably offensive rebounds are going to be that little, that little needle mover that gets him across the line there. But I think it'll be a fascinating watch. And I I'll say this at a minimum, there's going to be stretches in this season where he's averaging a triple double, whether or not it makes it to the finish line, that could be a TBD, but I will not be shocked if we talk about 10 to 15 game stretch here, where he is averaging a triple double with consistency because matchups are going to favor him so so heavily. Yeah, for sure. And like again, a lot. Of, if you go back one more year, the Philly was ninth in overall pace that season, um, and so that gets probably a little closer to the approximation. And I still think that this team is just going to play faster. And where he was doing eight at, and eight, by the way, eight rebounds, eight assists, and sixteen points a game. Yeah, exactly. And he had great shooters on that team, and like that team was really good. And so, um, and but this is. You know, he has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on this team, <laughs> right? And it's actually somewhat easier for him to run, like not necessarily a pick and roll, but like we've already seen how that offense is operating with him wanting to get those guys the shots. The assists are just going to be through the roof. Coming up here in a second, we're going to talk about maybe some surprise players for this roster over the course of the season and a couple other news and notes. And in the background, Doug is going to look up the bump that James Harden saw when he played with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, specifically in the assist category, something we talked about with those players. Okay, 
So obviously, we the other factor here is going to be when we look across this roster, I, I think always a fun one is who's going to be the surprise guy, right? I think we talked about it last year going into the season. We thought Bruce Brown, we almost got absolutely dragged on that one because he didn't play uh, for, the, for the start of the season. And then it was like the coaching staff woke up and remembered who Bruce Brown was. And he was obviously a key component of what they were able to accomplish. I want to think about the Cam Thomases of the world Maybe Dayron Sharp isn't uh, isn't deep enough to be sexy because he has a kind of a specific role. I think we might know where I'm going with this player, but before we do, what was the James Harden bump when he played with Kevin Durant and Kyrie from the assist standpoint? Yeah, the two previous seasons. I'm not counting the ten games where he yeah, yeah. slept slept walk his way through his his exit, <laughs> his exit from Houston. So that yeah. one doesn't count. Uh, the two previous seasons, he was seven and a half assists per game. Um, I mean, obviously, he moved to a totally different system, and I mean, to some degree, Simmons is also. Um, where it was just like that thing was all James Harden in Houston. And then he got to a place where he, you know, greatly reduced his overall Mm -hmm. usage. He went from like 23 shots a game down to 16 and a half with Brooklyn. And so that kind of difference won't exactly happen with Simmons, but it will happen to some degree. But the assists went up. He added like three plus assists per game, like right out of the box. essentially. And And, and like you say, it won't be one to one, but I, you can earmark one and a half to two more assists for for Ben Simmons just yeah. based on playing with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I think that's a great metric when we talk about facilitator role in in, in that in that factor. Um, okay, now we talk about surprise guys. I'll let you go first on this one. Who is your guy on this roster that is going to emerge as I'm, I'm saying key contributor is a bit of a catch all, but just a player that maybe right now in this moment we wouldn't say oh. This guy is the seventh most important, right? The eighth most important. He's going to be consistent minutes, contributor, and really a factor for this team. Who's the guy on your roster that you think can emerge for that? Yeah, I actually think it's going to be Dayron Sharp. I, I'm actually higher nice. on him co- coming out you, of the you, preseason. You come around here, baby. It's, it has maybe even less to do with like what he does. I actually don't think he's doing too many things differently than I thought he could do. I just think the Nets are more willing to see it. <laughs> so I think that's actually my big difference. I think the things that he does well, he still does well. I think the things that he doesn't do well, he still doesn't do well. I don't think my opinion from preseason has changed on his overall game. What has changed is the Nets, what I believe to be the Nets' willingness to use him um, in certain matchups. And so I think that question, to me, to some degree, has been answered, uh, at least early on, right? Like we saw him play, they're going to want to throw him at teams like Milwaukee. They're going to want to throw him teams like... um, uh, team, team, teams like Philly, right? They're going to want to throw them at teams like Minnesota. Sorry, that was the one I escaped me. They, they just played right? those these bigger frontline teams that have guys that just are that you have to worry about in the paint. I think we are going to see him coming off in those first rotations uh, or first and second rotations off the bench more than I actually thought they were going to. I think I th- I thought in my mind a lot of those games they would just kind of dare other teams to go super small or at least just try to run them off the court with Simmons. I do think there's going to be more of a willingness to use Sharp. And luckily for him, actually one thing I think that he has improved on, or maybe I just didn't see it as much, he can run the court. And so um, he lost some weight in the offseason for sure. Mm-hmm. He looks he looks trimmer. He, he's super alive um, in terms of just energy. So I think he's going to end up playing more. And I wonder how much... Nets fans, I wonder if he plays well enough to reduce some of the talk around how much they needed to get a, a, a backup center. Like, I wonder <laughs> if he plays well enough. That's going to be my prediction. He plays well. There you go. There's, this is the definitive one. He we plays go. well enough to quiet down the 50% of people that can't get over wanting to just add another big body to the team. Like, I think that he plays well enough to do that. 
Yeah, and it's interesting too. I'll just add in that you I, I, you mentioned he got a little bit lighter, a little bit looks like a little bit more nimble, a little more athletic running the floor. Nicholas Claxton put on a little bit of weight, right? Able to maybe play a little more physical. It's it, it, it seems like the Nets have made this conscious effort. What do we want this role to look like? There's a mold we're looking for, and you're trying to craft that. Whereas going back in years past, even the same players, but you talk about bringing two dramatically different looking bodies, different skill sets at times, and it makes it hard for functionality. So from a continuity piece, I think you're starting to see that here a little bit as well I, I mean you know i love it and i'll, I'll be I, I think the only way to tip the scales on that is if this guy just starts dropping a couple of shots little mid-range who knows what he's capable of if he starts doing that then all bets are off and i think it'd be really good for this team if it quiets the idea do we need to go do something do we need to go get somebody and in that way i'll i'll save if i have any real thoughts i was gonna say you don't want to nabe but we all know that i'm on that train and you can't stop me so um rather than do that let's close out on do you think that the Brooklyn Nets are going to make a significant trade this season as they approach the deadline, assuming that they're healthy and things are going pretty well and they're going to hit the over and this is a team that's going to be contending. Do we anticipate them going for a big move to significantly improve this team? I'll just I'll start since I, I've been having you go first on these. My answer is going to be no, because I believe that they actually made the right adjustments. I said this over on Twitter the other day. This is the best four through 10 on the roster that they have had in the Kevin Durant and Kyrie era. That's a fact. I don't even, I don't even need to hear it be debated. Not that it was. And I think that that changes the idea of what a season looks like. It's about getting better, getting better together, right? And defining roles. So I don't think they're going to need as much adjusting as they're going to. I actually think that some of the better teams in the league might look at what the Nets present and say, do we need to go get something to make sure that we can take this team on when it comes to the playoffs? Yeah, I'll say my gut is that they don't make any massive trade, but that's just really just a like logistical thing. They don't have the they don't have the chips to make a huge trade anymore. This like the um, the hardened trade tapped out a lot of that resources. Their powder is really not all that dry when it comes to that. So I think just from that standpoint, I don't think a huge. A huge but even swing. a dramatic one of, of moving a Joe Harris, a Cam Thomas, of really packaging guys, right, and changing the construct of what this team looks like is a good. Okay, way yeah. So I think I'll, I'll go a little. I'll go a little different. I think that they'll try to do something, but it won't be what Nets fans traditionally want, which is that stretch five. I think they'll right. go for some kind of more hybrid four or five kind of guy yeah. to just add to like the style of play that they want to play here. I, that like. I don't know, like a PJ Washington. That's not even a great example. Cause I don't yeah, think, but I, like, but I, know but you, like, I love that though. I, like I some want guy more like of what we're doing well, I don't want to uh, dramatically change what we are. Yeah. It won't be like a, a traditional five. It'll be someone like a four to a four or five kind of guy that maybe can stretch the floor a little bit more. Um, that can just fit into stylistically the game that they want to play, right? They can hit some threes, but maybe isn't super dynamic at it can dribble, you know, can get out in the open court a little bit more. So I think it might, you know, I'm trying to think of guys who would like, I don't think these guys are necessarily going to be available, but PJ Washington, John Collins, guys like this mm-hmm. that um, that are sort of more in that mode. So I think that if they do anything, and maybe even a little smaller, like if they do anything, it'll be for guys like that, that they can just play super switchy defense in the playoffs and try to make sure that they're covered for, you know, like the Tatums and the Jalen Browns of the world or like, you know, whatever Milwaukee, you know, the Giannis Middleton stuff. Like I think it'll be guys like that that are a little bit more, versatile mm-hmm. rather than just be stuck in this one kind of archetype that the Nets play. So I think they make some kind of play for that guy and it'll be less exciting than probably fans want, but I think they, everyone needs to temper their expectations because the Nets just don't have enough resources now to make a huge splash in the trade market, right? They just don't have, they don't really have it anymore. So 
I think it's going to be some move like that. Yeah, listen, it doesn't have to be flashy. It can be functional, and that's important. Obviously, um, we're, we're going to get out of here and see, though, I just wanted to mention uh, Sumner, Yuta Watanabe, TJ Warren, right? Even Markeith Morris, how they function early in the season is also going to dictate what this team thinks they need to do. You're going to get us out the door, but don't forget to remind people from injury updates and overall season outlook, you have a very special guest coming on, and I'll be back in for the post game uh, after the Nets tip off the season against the Pelicans. Okay, yeah, so we got a couple of things coming up here, right? So I hope that we're, our, our expectation is that Chris Mulholland will be from Nets Daily, who and now uh, SI will be on uh, tomorrow's podcast talking, giving some uh, just the final preseason thoughts on this team as they head into the regular season. So that's going to be Wednesday. Our hope right now, 100% that Adam and I will be post-game on after Wednesday's game. The hope is that we oh. have a bunch of other folks in Brooklyn Nets Nation. I, let's just tease that one. Just yeah. I, I, there's a there's a hope right now that we're, very, we're pretty confident that we're going to have some other big voices in specifically like the Nets podcasting space as a, like a big group reaction. So like that's something that Adam's working on right now. So stay tuned for that one. I don't want to give too much away on that one just because got to dot the top, dot the T's and cross the I's on that one. In the meantime, no matter what, Adam and I will be on Wednesday following the game on YouTube. Get in there. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. We've had an amazing time with this so far. It's going to happen every game this season, sort of short of something happening uh, for one of us. But our expectation is every game will be in there post-game, mixing it up, doing the podcast, and then extra stuff, like stuff that even exists beyond the podcast where we answer questions and, and everything. So make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. Put the link in the show notes. So a lot coming up here in Locked On Nets World. Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it if you have to, with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against the present. Marky Aurelius Antonius. Oh, R.I.P., one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again. He's not with us anymore. Tomorrow, (laughs) Tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.